Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Pod. Because you're listening to our show, we can get you free crate of craft beer um, just for listening to us. Get yourself on to beer52.com forward slash thistle um, and you will get yourself eight craft beers which cover all of the Six Nations countries, a copy of Ferment magazine and a little snack to enjoy with the rugby as well. That's beer52.com forward slash thistle. All you have to do is pay for postage and packaging, £5.95 and you will get free Eight craft beers delivered to your door. That's beer52.com forward slash thistle. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. The Six Nations is done and dusted, so we are here to have a look back at the tournament that was I am David, and as ever, I am joined by Matt. How are you, bud? Good, mate. Just, I think I'm still recovering from, from that weekend. I mean, how, how good? You bought your skiing holiday? No, no, just, uh, <laughs> no, well, I mean, that was also good, but I mainly meant the rugby. Yeah, um, unbelievable scenes. And Alan, is that a smile on your face? Yeah, it's gave me a nice beer. I've given you the beer, <laughs> you yeah. Give me a nice beer. Uh, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's been a good, it's been a good few days. Still don't know how I feel, though, about the game. I know, but just every single day, it's just nice to see a kind of a new angle pop up on the media somewhere on Twitter. Yeah, just sort of relive that second half. A new hot take. Yeah. Or a new gripe from Eddie Jones about why it isn't (laughs) his fault. (laughs) Been a lot of strong memes sort of popping up 
and videos all over the internet. Oh, yeah. It's been a great week for that specific niche area of the internet. <laughs> it has been. It's been very busy on our Twitter. That is at Thistle Rugby Pod. We've gone through 5,000 followers, lads. Boom. Pretty big. That was the goal. 5K yeah. by the end of the Six Nations. Yes. That was the goal. So our investors are going to be very happy with that return. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good about that. We've had a couple of emails. We'll get into those later. That is the Thistle Rugby at gmail.com and the Instagram is ticking over with some terrible memes as ever. Thistle understroke rugby under stroke pod. Um, why don't we start off on a positive? Let's um, have a look at this email. Bit of a review, but in the mailbag from Alan Roberts says, former Edinburgh rugby season ticket holder relocated to Seattle last year. We haven't had anything from Seattle before. Thanks very much, Alan. Um, thanks for keeping me updated on all things Scottish rugby and keep up the good work. Would be lost without you. Shout out to fellow season ticket holders back home, Sam Walker and Callum Patterson. Callum, hope the hemorrhoids aren't keeping you down, pal. Chin up. So there you go. Tough times. As Matt will know, hemorrhoids are not fun. <laughs> yeah, it's really <laughs> tough. So Matt, Callum, you can talk about, you know. Yeah, it's a real community of us, so it's nice to see some, <laughs> some support there. Weirdly, a strong coloration between the anime community as well, so... Absolutely. Don't know yeah. what goes on at those conferences. I think we should move on. <laughs> we should move on. Uh, there's been a couple of reviews on iTunes as well, five stars, so you can do that. But most importantly, iTunes, Acast, wherever you are, hit subscribe and you will get us absolutely every week talking Scottish rugby. So we're going to kick off, have a look at some news from what's been going on outside of the Six Nations. A um, few little updates, transfers, and some Super Six news in there. Then we're going to talk about Twickenham. Then we're going to talk about the return of the Pro 14 and some big returning names for Edinburgh as well. Should we get cracking, lads? Let's go. I mean, I think most people are listening to this pod not for the news, yeah. <laughs> if we're honest. Should we just get through the news then? Let's yeah. Do it. Um, young uh, Scotland under-20s cap Glenn Young has moved from the Newcastle Falcons to Harlequins. What do you guys make of that? That feels like a good move. <laughs> I mean, on the off chance that Falcons get relegated as well. <laughs> I know. I mean, obviously, he's, he's doing, done pretty well. He got a lot of starts. And I think Harlequins are sort of um, revamping their team for, for next year. And they're doing pretty well. So th- he's joining a club on the up. I think the Quins have had like six, I know it's like six signings yeah. this week. Yeah. And they've all been quite, quite tasty. I mean, would you describe Glenn Young as a tasty signing? I think they've all sounded a I'd bit say Some of the other ones were quite tasty. I bet, you, you, know I bet, who I bet you can't name a single I don't think you can one. name one. That Italian guy. It's <laughs> <laughs> Argentinians, wasn't it? Okay, it was Campagnaro. Campagnaro they is signed Campagnaro. Italian. Oh, okay, and fine. then some, <laughs> some big Argentinians. <laughs> tasty. Right, next, next bit of news. <laughs> next. <laughs> Speaking of tasty, Darcy Ray and Alex Allen re-signing at Glasgow. Um, I suppose with Jamie Batty going the other way, it's a little bit of um, big news for props this week, but that's pretty decent business from Glasgow, two guys that have kind of stepped up this year. I don't, I don't know, but Alan seems to have just sort of been in the system for a long time and not really like sort of, kind of ever been a starter. Yeah, exactly, from being a qualified front row. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I feel that's a bit harsh. I, maybe I'm being a bit harsh. I mean, he always does a good job. Yeah. Um, but I, I suppose, just in contrast to Darcy Ray, who you think could potentially be a more established Glasgow player, just because he's got um, age on his side, that's probably the more exciting one. I mean, how, how old's Alex Allen? Older. Is, Is he? Not? 
Um, He's definitely played a lot more for Glasgow than Darcy Ray has. Fair, Alexander's 27. Yeah. I, for some reason, I had this in my head that he was a lot younger than that. Yeah, and Darcy Ray, I think, is, well, not too old. Not too young. 24. Yeah, there you go. Solid Irvin boy. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think Darcy Ray's come, come on leaps and bounds this year. I don't think... Yeah, he stepped up in you know, Heineken Cup games, played really well. Yeah, I mean... Did you play in that Saracens match? Yeah, but it feels like it's been him and Kebble have been the two props that have had mm. the yep. most game time this yeah. year. Um, so, yeah, no, good signing and definitely good guy to have behind Xander Ferguson, two sort of big Scottish yeah. lads coming through. Yeah, definitely. And Jamie Batty has moved um, along the M8 to Edinburgh. I think we talked about this when it was first sort of discussed, but Edinburgh seemed to be putting together quite a nice-looking squad for next year. Um Watsonians have confirmed their coaching ticket for the Super 6. Edinburgh, former Edinburgh players Fergus Pringle and Nicky Walker as head coach and assistant coach, respectively. Um, lads, as Stu Mel Ultras, <laughs> what are your views on Watsonian setup for the Super 6? Well, I think Walker was always touted as a coach to come in when it emerged that Laurie was going to Edinburgh, but I think Fergus Pringle was a bit of a left-field um, name. I mean, obviously he's been around the Scottish setup for quite a while, played for Edinburgh, played for Scotland A, but I didn't actually know he was still in the coaching system. He's been was a sort of development officer. Yeah, East Lothian development officer. Yeah, and doing a bit of work, I think, with the under-20s as an assistant coach. So it feels a bit random. It's not as if yeah. that's someone who they've they've kind of earmarked for progression through the ranks. Um, but I don't really care how Watson's get on. So, <laughs> you know, if he's a bad Maybe they couldn't give Nicky Walker the big job after the under-20s away. From yeah, he's too much of a risk. Debarkle. Wasn't there something about how he's previously been involved in the Romania setup as well? It says here he coached Romania under-20. <laughs> which, yeah, seems quite rude. It's, it's a real niche job. Yeah. Um, is, that a good th- is that a good level? I mean, they don't play in the World Cup, do they? They play in, like, the Junior Trophy. Yeah. So, How no? do many under-20s get on in the Super 6? <laughs> That's a good question, actually. Beat Sonians. Yeah, they beat Sonians, obviously. Probably beat Sonians. Shuma will beat Sonians now. I'm, sh- <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens with it. Yeah, with absolutely. And not necessarily news, but the um, uh, season passes for the Scotland uh, matches next year have come out, and I've got a personal gripe about them. I mean... As you, we were chatting about earlier, in terms of for the, co- for the cost per game to go up and for the quality of game to probably come down. Yeah. Yeah. So, spe- yeah. so speaking entirely personally, I don't know how the things relate to other people's seats, but I've gone 13% more expensive per game. And this year it's two games against France, one against Georgia and one against England. Yeah. So there's no big sort of like Southern Hemisphere beast. Like last year, Argentina and um, South Africa came to Murrayfield as part of that package. Yeah. Ireland, Wales, Italy, um, Fiji as well. So there's like... And you're right. Two of those games aren't on a Saturday, which does make a difference from an experience perspective. Yeah, definitely. Georgia on a Friday night, it's not the same Mm. as like, you know, Ireland on a Saturday, is it? I think a Friday night could be good, but when it's on a Sunday as well, I think that... Definitely. So it's France on a Sunday. Yeah. The the issue with the Friday is just the actual the pre-game and having to like you know yeah. depend, leaving work and getting across. You don't kind of get to have that atmosphere of like pre-match at Murrayfield having a few. Exactly. Drinks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which I suppose is something you could argue for your price increase is that the general match day experience at Murrayfield has improved massively. So yeah, if you get there a couple of hours early, 
you there are much better there's music there's great bars there's good food and you can do whatever you want but on a friday night you're not going to get as much of enjoyment out of that there's there's a guy who tweeted us saying that um he's sort of doing an adult and child ticket for the games and for 2018 slash 2019 his kids ticket price has gone up 27 percent the next season it's going to go up 51 percent cost per game mate why <laughs> They pay, they pay. It's <laughs> yeah, so a lot, it's a lot of money. Right? Dodson knows a lot of money. We're interested to see if they keep the the sold out Murrayfield for next year. Sell. I don't think you're selling at Murrayfield on a Friday night for Georgia. <laughs> or even that's a, a tough even sell. <laughs> even a Sunday for France. I, I don't. Sunday for France is in the Six Nations, though. So right, the yes. World Cup warm up. Oh, I was thinking the World the Cup World warm-up. warm up is the is the Saturday of the August bank holiday. So that's quite a nice, actually, that's quite a good day out. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but then that. it's the Sunday in the Six Nations. And then the other game is, of course, us retaining the Calcutta Cup again against yeah. England. Yeah, and how much would you pay for that? You know, post, Around, about, around post. about £56 per game. <laughs> <Yeah>. moment, <laughs> <I think laughs> you know, that's pretty good value to be well, actually, yeah. the England game specifically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, especially post us winning the World Cup as well. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I should get in now. Yeah, lock in and a then good become price. a really dirty ticket ca- ticket tote. Yeah, we've got the Calcutta Cup as world champions. Dave Leslie at Via Google is selling <laughs> our ticket for two hundred and fifty. I think the same guy that tweeted us did say the only way I'm going to be able to afford the rest of the tickets is if I flog my England tickets on Via Google, <laughs> <laughs> which, which we do not. Which, en- I mean, which we do not endorse. We don't, but you know, could work out in the end. <laughs> 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 That's the way around it. Um, well, we'll leave that one there. Um, shall we talk about... Are we going to give Edinburgh a shout-out for the Champions Cup quarterfinal? Yes, we should, oh, yeah. absolutely. And well, I suppose we can trail some big news for next week yeah. as well. So, obviously, Edinburgh quarterfinal against Munster next weekend. They're already over 30,000 seats sold. Um, I mean, I think, what is the uh, the record? 37 and a half or something like that? Was it for a Saracens quarter? There was a quarterfinal, I think, that Saracens were involved in. 100% 37,000 is the record for a Mm. Heineken Cup quarterfinal. I didn't know that, actually. Yes. So I think Edinburgh are pretty much on course to beat that if they continue sales. What did Edinburgh get for that Toulouse match back in the day? Well, I think they got about 32. Then that was surpassed by... to 37 by Saris. And then Mm. they're looking to go over 40 for this game against... um, against Saris at Wembley? I said too much without really knowing... (laughs) Okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, it's it was, it was a big stadium yeah. that can hold thirty-seven thousand people at least. Yeah. Um, so that's coming up next weekend, and we are. It just shows like demands there. I don't think Glasgow can move it to Celtic Park and get thirty-seven thousand for a quarterfinal. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be more difficult, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, maybe I don't know. Interesting. Big city. Yeah, big city event. But anyway. Well, we will see. <laughs> I think we will see. But we're going to be back next week. Big quarterfinal preview pod of course Glasgow playing against Saracens as well but don't want to get everybody too excited but it looks like we've secured the sweet prince himself you Chris what? Dean is going to prince that was promised the prince that is promised has been delivered are you promising me the prince that was promised I think right. it's happening it could well be happening next Thursday night we're going to be speaking to the man himself um, you're going to be okay mate ahead of that quarterfinal just won't turn up too nervous <laughs> <laughs> so that is very much worth coming back to next week um, but let's talk about what you all came here for 38 all at Twickenham Scotland with probably the best comeback in some uh, the biggest comeback in Six Nations history it's the biggest comeback in tier one 
Tier rugby 1 rugby history. history. And um, the only team ever to score six tries can, at, Murray, at Twickenham. Can we call it a comeback? Yeah. Is we it, can definitely call it a comeback. <clears throat> okay. you're, you're going from zero points to two points and 38 nil. Down, 31 nil down yeah. to 38 all I mean yeah let's, let's not get like too into the definition <laughs> of a comeback but you know like, at half time it was definitely a comeback for a draw that was so unbelievably unpredictable um, after half an hour of unbelievably woeful play by Scotland yeah I mean do you think that the first half was the worst performance in the, the kind of the history of Townsend, and the second half was the best performance in the history of like the Townsend era. Yes. Are you trying to think? I was trying to think about the USA game. Second half against the USA was terrible, but they're just so not comparable. Exactly. Like a summer tour against the USA is just not the same. Yeah. Well, you could yeah. argue that the team that played against USA, in terms of like first choice players, is actually not that dissimilar to the team on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I, mean, um, I, I was at Twickenham, and honestly, the, and I'd been there two years ago when we lost 61-21 yeah. or whatever it was, and it felt worse this time. I think oh it was yeah, mainly, def- definitely. I think it was mainly well, at halftime. At halftime, I was like, we are done. We had a, a very honest conversation amongst the six of us that were there about leaving at halftime. <laughs> really? And I feel bad about it now, but I genuinely, I was just like, I don't want to be here to watch England put 70 and I, past us. And I can't think of a Scotland game in recent memory where you would have thought that, where you would have said that. No. You know? The, and, but the interesting is, it was, there was obviously the score, it was 31-0, but there was almost a little bit around the manner of, of how that happened. The mm. manner of it. And, it. and it genuinely, obviously, I was watching on TV, and it, at points, did feel like one of those old kind of school games where it was there was a much better team playing against like a much shitter team. Yeah. And, and like a bigger team that was and a bullying bigger team. them. Yes. I think the physicality exactly. bit was massive. It, it felt like every time England got the ball, that they were just falling off tackles because they just weren't up to the task of doing it. Yeah. Which was, and it was, it was really, it was a really strange atmosphere in that everything England did just looked extremely threatening and Scotland just couldn't get anything going and they yeah. couldn't get any ball. When they did, they were kicking to England's hands and just so bad. Like, so, so, so bad. It could have been worse. Like, 31-7 going to half time with the yeah. way that first half played oh out God. was actually a good position to be in. You think about yeah. I think one of the biggest moments of it was when England didn't kick the points right at the end of the first half, went to the corner, and Scotland managed to keep them out. Yeah. yeah. I think if, they had, if England had managed to respond with a try off the back of McAnally's try... Yeah. That's completely different. It's a completely different ball game. So I, think I think some people were criticizing England for not taking the points there, but I mean, why would you? Why? Why would you? Like, yeah. How can you foresee that second half coming? I, I do. It's never happened in the history of rugby before. I do think from the sort of the pre-match coverage, you know, it does feel like a mix of Scotland and England, and then Saracens and Glasgow. There is like a bit of bad blood between a lot of those yeah. guys. Yeah. On either side, like I know, obviously Billy Billy Vinopolo was talking about it, but obviously like Farrell. Clearly, gets riled up by Scotland. It's literally Ryan Wilson. I mean, it is literally <laughs> Ryan Wilson. <laughs> but I even think people like if playing against Finn Russell is probably quite an infuriating experience because he's got. I don't think he's he's not like Ryan Wilson, but you know, he's got that kind of air of arrogance. Yeah, I think he has, and I think and he's, he, che- he's cheeky. When Rambo scored his try, Finn converted it. Apparently, he had he put. 
put a word in Farrell's ear yeah, after that yeah. had been charged down as well. <laughs> and after the pass to Sam Johnson in the second half, he's sort of like patting Nathan Hughes on the head after he's got after he's obviously put Johnson through for the score. Do you not think like it, he's just he's just like having a good time yeah, and when he does the, stuff he's like, Oh sorry lads. But the whole thing seems to rile up England far more than Scotland getting affected by it. Like yeah, you we know, didn't even, no we didn't even fire out Telfer this year. No, exactly. And like no one I mean Towns is not that kind of coach, but he didn't really mention anything about we fired Telford you know, against any, ourselves. Any niggle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Telford just came out and rinsed the Scotland <laughs> Gone full Maybe circle. That's, what that's what we should have been doing every year. The, so I don't think the Mac and Ali trial was really a turning point in that match. I actually think that it was a... Mac and Ali scored the try. It was a bit of a freak, to be fair. Yeah. I don't know what Johnny May was trying to, was doing. It kind of was 31-7. And then for the rest of the first half, it was all England. There wasn't yeah. like a, a yeah. tight change. Yeah. Well, they were 31 up after, what, like 28 minutes or something like that. Yeah. So actually, I think McAnally's try, but in the context of not conceding points for 10 minutes. Yeah. It's not like a turning point, but there is like a, I, there was a momentum shift or at yeah. least an arresting of the complete domination of England. I get that. I actually tweeted that Scotland are the first team to score a consolation try in the first half of a <laughs> Six Nations <laughs> game. Very good content. I that a lot. <laughs> but I actually think, because the thing, Graham scored that try, what, maybe about eight or nine minutes into the second half? And even then, yeah. it was just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that was, what, 30 But then literally a minute afterwards, Price did that kick. Yeah. And then that's when I don't know what it was like in the stadium because that took it to twenty like nineteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, and then that thirty-one nineteen is when even in the pub we were like, one more twelve points. Yeah, like that's you in it. Yeah, that's that's exactly how it felt in this. I mean, I think Darcy's try. My main feeling about that was right. You know, at least we fired a shot. You know, thirty-one fourteen. Even mm. if we close the book now. I'll take that. I will literally take yeah, that yeah, as my yeah. final and I think Yeah, I think you could see that in the differing reactions from the Scotland players yeah. for that try and the Bradbury try. Yes. The price is kind of like, right, a bit of relief. We've got on the yeah, scoreboard. This yeah. isn't going to be a complete dicking. And then Bradbury is like, holy shit, boys. The we're we're one, in this one. And I think everyone did sort of turn around in the same way thinking, right, one more and we're actually in this game. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what do, you, what do you think happened at halftime? Was there anything sort of critical that turned the tide? Well, I actually, and Alan and I were talking about this before the pod. I don't necessarily buy the argument thing, or at least the fact that I don't buy the argument that Scotland massively changed their strategy in the second half. I thought they just implemented the same strategy, but well. Finn still kicked away huge amounts of ball, mm. and we just chased it better, and his kicks were finding grass. So England weren't coming back and adding interest on it, and we were chasing up and the intensity of the contacts were much better we were getting on top of them we were turning the ball back over rather than just being like here you go lads here's acres of space and some bad defense for you to run out mm. the england defensive line in the first half was so quick yeah and it seemed very quickly in the second half like ellis Genge with literally 25 minutes ago looked like he was about to die i know he came on earlier yeah, 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 yeah. than he was meant yeah. to but they all looked absolutely fucked. Yeah. yeah. He was no... I mean, it's admittedly not fair, Darcy Graham against Ellis Genge, but when he came across the cover, he was like nowhere near, just a slight change of direction. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, obviously a lot of people made made like something of the fact that Finn was arguing with Townsend at halftime. But when you read what he said, he said, you're telling us to kick, and when we kick, they just run it back and cut us open. When we run it, they're just hitting us behind the game line and winning the ball back. 
Second half, we just came out with nothing to lose, played our rugby, scored some great tries. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's not really a, it's not really a change also, in strategy. I think he also talks about, he's talked about kicking it out of our half as well. Yeah, I missed out that bit to yeah. make my argument a bit better. No, I know, but it's but just like, I, I don't actually... And then again... But I he's don't saying, he's saying like, you know, we shouldn't kick he also, and we shouldn't hold on. It doesn't really make much sense. He also has walked back those comments a little bit. I don't know if people have listened to the Johnny Beatty interview he did on BBC Radio Scotland. When he's speaking to Johnny Beatty, he pretty much says, oh, I was on the physio table. I didn't really yeah, have much of a yeah, conversation. Yeah. I spoke to Ali a little bit, but that was it because I'd taken a knock. He doesn't talk about the Townsend stuff. Could be the PR department getting to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Mark Dodson's piling straight yeah, exactly. in yeah, 20 yeah, minutes after the game. <laughs> but I mean, as I said, I think the biggest thing in the stadium that I noticed was just that we came out in the second half and we actually looked like we were interested in winning the game or at least playing the game. Yeah. The line speed massively increased. Well, they're interested in winning and playing the game. But in, <laughs> in the first half, I was looking back at my WhatsApp, so I was texting my brother when I, was, I went for a piss at halftime, and he was just like, it looks like nobody can be arsed. Yeah. And I d- I, it felt like that in the stadium, but I also feel that you know it was so bad that I, I'm not sure I was seeing it through like a rational head because I was like, oh my God, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. I just happened. think when momentum's against you, there's just... Yeah, so, and it's the same in the second half for England. Like it looked as if England had completely, you know, thrown in the towel. Yeah. It's just hard to change it. I mean, what I think about is what I've been sort of questioning is how much will Scotland actually take away from that match that they can apply into other matches going forward, particularly at the World Cup? Because I just can't see a World Cup half kind of unfolding the way it did there. Yeah, because obviously Scotland are at the moment, like, one of the best teams in the world, maybe just behind New Zealand, when the game opens up. Yep. And that doesn't really happen very often, as this Six Nations showed. So, obviously, you can manufacture those type of opportunities, but Scotland haven't been great at that recently, and I wonder if it was just a a sort of a bit of an odd half that gave them those opportunities. Yeah, I think... I think you've got to give a little bit, particularly in the first 10, 15 minutes of the second half, which would have been England's players inevitably being, this is done. Yeah. We are home and dry. We're already on the beers. We've won this comfortably. Yeah. And then they let the big mo go. That goes to Scotland, and they're in all kinds of trouble. Mm. I think what Scotland can take out of it is probably just that feeling i think if you if we had ended this six nations having only beaten italy followed by four fairly abject losses three games which we could yeah, have won yeah. the england game if we'd lost it in the region of 30 points the mentality of those scotland players going mm. into the first warm-up against france knowing they've got to play ireland again would have been completely rock bottom but scoring 38 points at twickenham it's just, it yeah. completely changes the mindset. They'll be able to go in with a much more positive feeling into what is probably going to be about a two-month-long camp mm. this summer. Well, that's the thing. And then at the same time, you've got like Barkley, Hogg, Jones, those kind of guys coming yeah. back. And you're like, yeah, actually, we're in a pretty decent place. Playing devil's advocate, yep. does that second half just cover up the massive cracks that have been showing up in this whole tournament? Possibly. What cracks? In terms of... Outside of around about 60 minutes against Italy and 40 minutes against England and maybe 20 minutes against Wales, Scotland have been pretty shit. 
Oh, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And actually, that second half is kind of now just dominating the whole narrative of kind of the Scotland Six Nations. And actually, yeah. when you sort of peel it back, it's like there was one win against Italy. It's like a freak draw against England. And three really winnable games. Yeah. Two at home. Yeah. I think you make the argument that Scotland could have won every game, maybe except from France. France. They yes. could have won every other game. Possibly should have held out for the England game. Um, we were within seven against Wales and Ireland, or roundabout, yeah. with opportunities in both. I, 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 I knew, sorry. I was just going to say, but I think it even goes back to like the try thing. Like, we're like, oh, off this England game, and it was like, oh, Scotland are this unbelievable try scoring team. Well, actually, we only no, scored we weren't. Yeah. three tries across three games before that. Yeah. And actually, that whole that attack was really struggling to get going for yeah. most of the Six yeah. Nations. Yeah, I know what you mean. I wonder if once again, though, you just... I want to make sure that I made this negative. <laughs> no, no, I, <laughs> I think, think, I think, I think it's, it's right. absolutely right. And I, you know, but you do look back at the injuries that the team have had. Yes. And then, you know, not really having a fit Finn Russell for, well, for the France game, at least. Yes. And then he's finding his way back into form. Yeah. I think you have to bear those things in mind. And I think that, you know, the players who have come in, and particularly in that match, like Darcy Graham ha- has had an incredible tournament. And... Losing someone, or like having Seymour off form at the moment, it's not an issue anymore. Yeah. Bradbury's potentially emerged Completely. as our number eight, and we've been looking at that position in a while, for a while. And then you've got your, your guaranteed starters coming back from injury. You know, the annoying thing about Bradbury is we've obviously, I think since we started this pod, we've been wanting someone to just make a, put in a really big number eight performance. Strauss away to France two years ago is probably the yeah. only other. Number eight performance Correct. that kind of rivals Bradbury against England last yeah, week. Absolutely, Bradbury will now not play number eight for the rest of the season because Bill Matter will start for Edinburgh at eight. <laughs> yes, that's true. And, and Bradbury's role changes because Matter's in that team. I think you're right, but then I suppose Bradbury hasn't been playing eight all season. He's been injured for a lot of it. He comes yeah. into the Scotland team, plays six, doesn't really work. Yeah, and then he plays eight for a couple of games and does pretty well. So your top carrier and everything. So. I mean, I would rather he was playing eight, but... There was an interesting thing, I think, I don't know whether it was came from Bradbury or someone in the camp around actually having the time off has been quite good for Bradbury because it's allowed him to, like, put on a bit of bulk. Bulk? Yeah, he's, like, added, like, I don't know, like a stone or just under a stone. Oh not just, God. like, because he's been in the gym. Yeah. It's quite interesting seeing him when he scored his try. And obviously he gets the ball on, like, a sort of perfect line that's going to put the defence slightly out of kilter. But he's so quick. Like even Johnny May was chasing thought. after him and yeah. had nothing, and <laughs> Billy Vinopoulos was like, ah, lol. I think, <laughs> I think it's that he's just... So he, came, he played 40 minutes for Edinburgh, then was thrown in against Ireland? France. France. Sorry, France. At six. Had a poor game. Yeah. Was then better against Wales. I, I think there was a little bit of fitness involved in that. Mm. Um, going back to what you were saying, though, Alan, about Scotland's deficiencies, which are definitely there, I think one thing that's definitely played this Scotland team throughout the whole thing has been defensive like lapses of defensive judgment that yes. have then led to seven points because the teams we're playing against are very very good at um at, at putting yeah. them down definitely one of the w- i mean the fuck up for the ireland try was just a miscommunication seymour and maitland but also the one the close ruck defense that let um that let stockdale go straight yes. through for that try that's just that's quite poor yeah, um, yeah, yeah. i think yeah, I think on England, obviously they were getting beat, but that first try, so 90 seconds in, if that, 
Sam Johnson and Greg. Fu- they fire and, out and of the Greg. line and it's just yeah. Did you see defense, um, like they're overexcited and they yeah. just they, when they let what I feel and it goes back to last Six Nations as well that we're just giving away at least seven points every game from a mistake entirely mm. down to just a defensive lapse. A, a lot of it's on the outside as well. I know yeah, the Ireland yeah. gate, yeah. putting Ireland gate aside, but that Wales try, yeah. Seymour coming in. Correct. And yeah. then even, and it was a tough one, but for the, the Johnny May try where Slade pops out of the back, which was oh, a silly so beast. <laughs> I liked it when, it, when he set so up nice. now as well. He was just running with the ball in one hand for the whole time and then just transferred it. And you were the one who was pass. sandbagging Slade last week. He was good. He was good. Yeah, but even it was a tough position. But Graham came up, and actually the yeah. ball went straight yeah. across him into Slade's hands, and created that space for Slade to run. Did you through. watch the Squidge Rugby video about I, it? I currently have it loaded on my work laptop. It's pretty good, and go. it focuses a lot on that. And it basically says that like Nick Grigg is, as we sort of suspected, like a really great like ball of muscle club player, but he's just so eager to make an impression. And maybe it's just that match, but there's quite a few examples including the Jack Nell try, yeah. where he comes in and leaves Darcy Graham. And even Darcy Graham, to be fair, had a couple of misreads where he comes in. Yeah. And, it, you know, to be fair, he's got a decision to make because Scotland have got their spacing wrong. And he's sort of Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Facing three men. But um, yeah, and then as you said, the Wales Seymour coming in off um, his wing. I, I just slightly wonder about Matt Taylor as the defence coach now. I think for a while under Townsend, it's been a bit of right. Okay, we'll score more points than you. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. Our ta- our attack's so good, and it's sort of yeah. I don't know. I think he should be under scrutiny a bit more. So is the answer not Gatland? Edwards. That's what I was going to say. If well, only there oh. was a world-renowned defence coach on the market. Well, you could get them both, can you? You could get them both. <laughs> in terms of people on the market, you get Sean Edwards in as defence coach, you get Vern Cotter in as director of rugby. Yeah. And here we go. I mean, if you could get... I think they should definitely make a play for him. Vern or Edwards? I mean, Vern wouldn't come. That's a bit ridiculous. I think, I think the SRU have pissed off Vern <laughs> enough. But Edwards genuinely putting in the defensive system and just... You know, like adding a bit more grit to a Scotland team that and you, you, you could say aren't exactly the toughest. Isn't Sean Wayne meant to be doing some stuff? Yeah, he hasn't been mentioned since the day What's he was Sean hired. Wayne doing? I thought there was chat that Sean Wayne was going back to rugby league. Is he? But he's meant to be a head of prof- professional development. There's chat that Edwards might be going back to Wigan. He, well, Warriors. they'd agreed that Edwards was going to go back to Wigan. And now it turns out that there was like never actually a contract signed. I think they like agreed over the phone, and then there was no contract for three months. 
Edwards messaged him and they were like, new number, who this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Sean Wayne's LinkedIn. Are you? I didn't know he had one. He is high-performance coach at Scottish Rugby Union. He describes the job as analytical insight and technical A&D applied methods to develop an overall enhanced squad both in training and game day performance. I mean, it says here that he was linked for the return to rugby league with Newcastle Thunder, who I don't think are even in the Super League. I mean, wh- well, why would you... He must hate the SRU. He must hate Scottish Rugby if he's looking at that. But I, th- I think there was, a, <laughs> there was a bit of stuff around his contracts when he had said he'd go to the SRU and then Wigan made a big play for him to stay. But by all accounts, he is working for the SRU. Yeah. Um, just to go back to the game quickly, Inter- interesting moment this time. So I, th- I think it was 31-19 and Scotland basically just piled on everyone yeah they were like Fraser Brown Josh yeah. Strauss 55 minutes yeah. Fraser Brown Josh Strauss Johnny Gray Bergen go on Bergen I think he did actually yeah, yeah. England put a couple of subs on but didn't put most of the subs on until 70 minutes yeah and actually I think between 57 and 80 minutes I actually thought Gray Strauss Brown apart from that penalty at the end and Bergen all put in a really good yeah. shift yeah. and I actually even more than the first 70 minutes of the second half, actually up the physicality from a Scotland side. I actually thought Johnny Gray was yeah, probably his best 23 game. minutes. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. I was like, he's I never impressive. thought I would recommend Johnny Gray as a bench option. Yeah, I know. Because he doesn't <laughs> seem as that like, dynamic. The, the finisher, Johnny Gray. But he is extraordinarily high quality and he does have, you know, that. Well, he's going he's gonna to be, he's going to fancy his chances of outworking people who've played 50 or 60 minutes in yeah. the match. Yeah. And at that time, that may, might make more of an impact than just hitting rocks from minute one. Yeah. But it's, it's an interesting thing with Gray, because I almost feel like he's got that in him. Like, from a, you know, that Saracens game, he seemed to be, like, a bit angry. And he's obviously, like, a bit sour in this game. It's, like, it's almost like someone, like, he needs to get, like, Richie Gray in before a game and, like, like call him names or something. Like, bully, like, I don't know, <laughs> get him angry. Because he just looks so placid and just sort of... Once, once in a while, it kind of seems when he gets a little bit fired up, he has those big moments in him. For the good of Scottish rugby, Johnny Gray should move to Edinburgh and work under Richard Cockrell. Yeah, 100%. Look what Cockrell's done to Gilchrist. <laughs> Toulis. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Fraser McKenzie. Callum Hunter-Hill. These lads are like gnarled, aggressive. Talking about the two, I mean, Ben Toulis is probably the standout second rule. Yeah. yeah ahead of Ryan Gilchrist. Yeah. I think he, has, he had a good tournament overall, actually. Coming from the man who said he would... Lose his eyes before Toulouse got yeah. to start for Scotland. I, I, I've already said that. That was I a long time ago, wasn't it? That was, <laughs> that was episode two, I think. He was quite bad back then. <laughs> like he has. I think he just carried, he carried the can for that Italy defeat when he came on off the as bench. Much as, I, as much as I have been on a journey with Ben Toulouse, I think Ben <laughs> Toulouse has been on a professional development journey. As well. <laughs> yeah. So what you're saying is he is going to be a Lions starter in no, the next I think, tournament. I, I think he should be a Scotland starter. I think Toulis and Gilchrist, that front five of Dell, mm. McAnally, Nell, Toulis and Gilchrist is the best Scotland front five at the moment. Uh, yeah, I'd find it hard to argue with that. Wait, who was the other who prop? Dell and Nell. Dell and Nell. So full Edinburgh front five. Yeah, full Edinburgh front five. I think you can make the case for Fraser Bryan, but Ultimately, he's not going to start against Stuart McAnally, ahead of Stuart McAnally at the moment. Probably not. I don't think he will. I, I, I do think that Fraser Brown 
I think McAnally is a better impact off the bench than Brown is. And I don't think I don't know if I agree with that. I think it's the way round. Really? Yeah, I think Brown's done a good job coming off the bench. Yeah. I think your first game, all being fit against Ireland of the World Cup, you start that Edinburgh front five. Assuming all being well with his fitness and things like that, I think it's hard to look past giving John Barkley the six jersey, Hamish Watson the seven jersey. Um, Actually, maybe it's a whole Edinburgh pack then. Bradbury. Bradbury. I wasn't. So I, I think Skinner is a very, very quality player, but he was. He looked, and he, it's maybe he's coming back from injury. I thought he was a little off it, the pace against England. I think of he, he. He was the one who, when he got subbed off for Strauss, I literally turned. I was like. I did not realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, up Dice, oh, I suppose he did the, an okay pass to Dicey okay Graham. Yeah. <laughs> that finish was all Dicey Graham, though. Like, yeah, anyone could have done that. It was pass. unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. I, it, an inter- it's, it's a bit weird thinking of having like an all-club pack as your sort of starting international Well, that's going to be the Champions Cup winning pack, if you think about it. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Three games, baby. <laughs> Three games. <laughs> I mean, we haven't actually talked about him, but do we need to talk about how good Finn Russell was? I mean, I think the thing is, last Six Nations, people were questioning his mental fortitude. Yes. Um, and then he pulled that performance out of the bag against England. Yeah. And I mean, once again, to have such a bad half and then the second half, not let that affect him and not let, more importantly, not let that change the way he plays is like just really impressive. Speaks to the fact that he is genuinely, it's like he's playing in the park at school. I, I yeah. <laughs> I lost my mind at his interception. Oh my god, so good. I, like, that was the moment when I completely lost my mind. Did you think that I know we're talking about, did you think that obviously that was the Farrell intercept? Do you think that Farrell's tackle on Dyson Graham warranted more than a penalty? I actually did. So did I. I think if he was holding on to the ball and that same action happens, you get a yellow card. Yeah. Absolutely. I think he's got away with it because it's he has committed to a hit and it's a, and the kick has gone. Yeah. It his, his, arm, his arm kind... The thing is, he doesn't wrap the arm, but it swings round. Yeah. I think that makes it look better I, than it is. I'm not ashamed to say that I was very much chanting that he should go off when I was in the... <laughs> like it was happening quite, quite close in front of me and it took a long time for the TMO to have a look. So it felt like from the stands, when you're not hearing the commentary and things like that, it felt to me that once the referee play went on for a little bit, it stopped. Then there was a bit of a chat between the captains. Mm. Then the referee went to the TMO. At that stage, I was like, well, that's got to be somebody's had a word in his ear and saying you have to have a look at that. Yeah. And then when you saw it on the big screen in slow motion, it looked really, really bad. So I was really, I was really surprised that it was only a penalty because I thought it was high. It was off the ball, and there was no intention of, of wrapping the arms. Yeah. Yes. No, I agree. And then I know there's not been all the footage seems really grainy of like Manu Tuolagi's hit on Sam Johnson. So bad. The the only mitigating circumstances I can see is that Johnson's kind of like ducking slightly. Yeah. But even that swinging arm is probably going to hit him in the chin rather than like yeah, yeah. the temple. I'm just surprised. Surely Johnson should get up at that point and say to McAnally, because it led directly to the try, didn't it, pretty much? They got the ball back and then I think over a, a series of phases. Yeah. yeah, but you should say to him, go and check that. Like, I've been whacked around the head. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, he didn't look very well at that time. So maybe he was just sort of focusing on getting back into the pitch. Yeah. I thought that, that was disappointing. And then 
I don't want to have gripes about the referee because Scotland still should have won the game. But I think that final penalty against Fraser Brown was dubious. And then, did you see George Ford took like an extra 10 yeah, metres from the kick? Yeah. I and that. I still think even if he didn't get it into the five, I they, they, it, they would have had a good chance of scoring. At that stage, and I'll talk you through my last minute of that game. So Sam Johnson has already started, has scored this try. And it feels to me... Have you ever seen that Oasis documentary, Supersonic? No. Anyway, you should watch it. It's really good. <laughs> but the big thing, it all focuses around them playing at Nebworth, and it's like 80,000 people. Yeah. And Liam Gallagher does this whole thing, and he's just like, you know, 80,000 people chanting my name. Yeah. I was singing Flower of Scotland, and I genuinely felt like that. I was like, this is my moment. <laughs> like, this is the moment in which Scotland are going to do the best thing that I'm ever going to see live. And it yeah. felt to me that the whole stadium was singing. Now, on the replay, that wasn't the case. But... <laughs> At 79 minutes, the ball, Finn had just done an amazing, yeah, turned the ball over, he kicked it in, it's in their 22. Yeah. I, I, you know, I just, how are we not, why are we even competing on the ground? Why is Fraser Brown even putting his hands anywhere near that ball? The thing is, people can say it's like a mental fragility, but I don't know, I, I just think it's like just a bit of bad luck, actually. You think? Like Adam Hastings was very close to taking out, was it May? On the touchline, yes. or now, really close to taking him out. He should have made that hit. To be fair, like the penalty, as I said, was dubious. Finn comes slightly out of the line, but you know it's the 80th minute of a match. <laughs> like, yeah, if you give him cut a bit, and he's doing it in the 22. It's kind of like a calculated risk. I think. I think once you get once England are in the 22, the ref is looking for very. He's looking for things to give a penalty. Yeah. You're giving him, ex- him an excuse in that situation to give a penalty. 80 minutes, yeah. whatever. So it just—it was very frustrating that England were able to come 80 meters to get there. Yeah. Well, I was chatting to um, someone and we were looking at the last England try. And we were saying, if that was scored in rugby league, that would 100% have been chalked off. For crossing. For the fact that Finn Russell's line to tackle George Ford is blocked. Blocked, yeah by two England forwards in front of him. I do not know 100% sure whether that is something that should be picked up in Union or not. But there is definitely Russell, his his tackling line, if he, when he's going straight, gets blocked by the two forwards in, in front yeah. of Ford. Yeah. yeah. I know the hindsight is an amazing thing, but what we should have done is let Jack Nowell go over on the touchline. I, I know. I, know, I know. was kind of thinking that. Who's going to think that in that moment? I know, exactly. Like, in that moment, you are fighting for your fucking Imagine life. if you're, like, you're on the wing, you just, you're like, on you go. Usher yeah. him, I would have loved it. Ushered him in and say, fair enough, if you get this, it's a draw. What a great game of rugby, but you're going to yeah. have to do it from 45 metres on the touchline. The thing is, Russell and Hastings are the only two players that I think could ever even consider that. And it was yeah. Hastings who yeah, made what, the tackle. Yeah, I know, I know, but that's, that's I mean, some serious, like, Mental strength. If Ford pings it over straight through, you look like the biggest The biggest dickhead possible, yeah. Got an interesting point for you. Go on, then. So, Scotland actually had less possession in the second half than they did in the first half. Really? Had 40% possession in the second half, 43% in the first half. And in the second half, only had 34... Second half had 34% territory. That shows that all those stats are... Such a waste of time. I do yeah, remember, I know. I do remember there's one thing, I think it was when ITV was showing it, I was watching the replay back of the second half on the Sunday, and there was, like, I think we were 31 all, and we'd only had, like, 1% of time in the England 22. Yeah. And it was just, yeah. it had just been such a snatch and grab job. It was not 30 seconds or something. Yeah, it was an like absolutely tiny amount of time. Yeah. yeah. I suppose my, my final point is, 
I think there's quite a lot of like English bashing from Scotland fans just for not the sake of it, but the history behind everything. I sometimes don't think it's fair. Like the Farrell stuff, I'm like, fine. But Eddie Jones is literally the worst. Like the stuff he was saying before the match was embarrassing. Yeah, it's like, like laughing, really disrespectful, and, and I don't mind like the banter and everything, but. And a thing like that happens, and it just makes you really, really happy. <laughs> like, it deserves everything he gets in terms of a, you know an England team that's really struggling. His reaction to the loss has been really like bemusing. Like what he back said? To, well, he said that he he thinks there's a mental fragility in the squad dating back to the, the 2015 World Cup, of which I think there's like three people that played. Mm. Yeah, he's just shifting the blame. It's very, very strange. I also think he said he's like, yeah, we know what the problem is. We can fix it. It's like. You only got four matches, son, to the World Cup. There you go. Yeah. Should we finish off with a little bit of player player of the tournament? Yeah. Who do you think was your who's your forward of the tournament? Alan, come to you. Forward of the tournament. Um God, it's kind of a tough one. Yeah. Not really anyone that Dell. Alan Dell really improved in my sort of standing of him. I thought his around-the-park game was really, really fantastic. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, of him and Nell, it's definitely, he's definitely stood out more. Obviously, in open play, he's always yeah, stood yeah. out more. But even felt just generally, Dell was offering a lot more. It usually feels that the scrum's a talking point at the Six Nations, but I don't think, like, any game's really sort of, like, turned on a scrum this year. I think, yeah, I think it was like it's less of, an, of a weapon mm, this year than it we, has We been. struggled a bit against France. Yeah. Think, particularly when we brought in guys like Alex Allen. Yeah, sure. Bench, for example. Um, Why are you hating yeah, Alex Allen? I, I, I knew as soon as I said that. <laughs> I, I think Jamie Ritchie had a really great tournament. I think yeah. It would have been interesting if he had been fit at the weekend. But, you know, as a guy who's you know only got a handful of caps. 22, I, I 23 would, years old? I would be tempted to give it to him. Very, very good. I think Stuart McAnally was consistently pretty good. He didn't hit his extremely high highs that he usually has, but he I was think he got better as the tournament went on. I don't, I don't get a very good start, but yeah. Hamish Watson for a game and a half. Hamish Watson for like one run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his stats against England were pretty good as well. Yeah, they were. Um, what about backs? I mean, Finn obviously I thought had actually very good games when he was playing. Finn's sort of general standout. Johnson, I was going to say Johnson. Book ending. He's like good, perf- good performance. Italy and England. Yeah. Relatively quiet in the rest of the games. Well, he well, only he, he only played in the. Um, he only played Ireland. He only played Ireland. So and he for someone pretty, once again who's and he was also very yeah so clearly quiet against Wales and France because <laughs> he was yeah. not there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought he was good. I thought um. Potentially give it to Darcy Graham, even though he played only played three matches. I think, yeah, I think Darcy Graham is it's just, just electrifying. He just does, he, he looks like he cuts it. And I just don't understand how he manages to ride contact so well. Yeah. He's an absolute unit. Yeah. He's a really good athlete. Um, I, thought, I thought actually Maitland against England was really, really good. Yeah. And yeah. he can, I obviously can just be that fullback cover if you mm. can just mix it mm. at that level that like he's just got so he much comfortable doesn't he yeah I think with Darcy Graham he's just got it's like an old like football adage like he just can't defend against pace and yeah like Darcy Graham's just got that really electric like fast twitch muscle fibers like he's just explosive everything he does is so fast well the thing is you could see I think there was about a split second where Daly was like I've got him 
And then he was just like, oh shit, I'm not going to get him. And I was thinking, I was like, why are you not diving? That's what him? I thought. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. You're going to get pushed into touch, but you must have just been thinking, I've got an early, um, daily absolute jets as well. Daily yeah. is so quick. <laughs> but I just think that Graham in particular, it's it's not just like little flashes with the ball um, in hand. He's like really accomplished under the high ball. It yeah. seems like there's quite a sort of mature player overall. There's a couple of times when the Scotland were trying to use him at sort of like close quarters to try and like find those yeah, little yeah. gaps at rocks. And I was yeah. like, nah, that's, yeah, that's maybe him, not. Give him space. <laughs> that's maybe not what we need to do. Um, Quick moment of the tournament. Mind me, Sam Johnson's handoff on Elliot Daly. Oh, so I will good. watch that forever. That or being at the stadium with Watson's run was like, well, his two runs, I suppose. Against Wales, wasn't it? Oh, against Wales. Changed those, the turn. Those were genuinely just got everyone on their feet excited. That was one of my favourites. Harking back an awful long way, the first try we scored against Italy, Finn's cross kick to Kinghorn. Oh, doesn't, yeah. Doesn't yeah. even break stride. It's literally... It's awesome. And it's kind point. of off his wrong foot as and well. You're just like, not his wrong foot, but... That was when life was it's good. The side it's the harder side to kick from. Yeah. Um, oh, there you go. That's the Six Nations done for another year. I if, know. If only there was another massive rugby tournament that we can get excited <laughs> about. Maybe there's maybe it's a subject for another time. Is that... Do you think it's price starting World Cup? Yeah, I was going to ask point. that. Let's, sa- let's save that for another his time. His second yeah. half probably redeemed him. Yeah. Because I didn't think he had made that big an impact against Wales. No. Or in the first half against England. No. And if he hadn't done that chip to set up the Bradbury try, which in his fairness, he did do. So you can't take it away from him. Yeah. How his involved, passing, how the, first in passing the first half was pretty shocking. Yeah. How involved was he for actually the rest of that Scotland performance? But, but yeah. that's it. That is a discussion for another day. Right. We go, go we quiz. We go we quiz. All Quick right. quiz to finish off. Oh, no, we've still got Pro 14. Bloody oh hell. No. So, interestingly, there was no Scotland player that played every minute of the Six Nations. The uh, the only players to do it were Josh Adams, Elliot Daly, Jonathan Davis, Jaden Hayward, and Peter Romani. But the only, only five players to play 400 minutes. Okay. What two Scottish players played the most minutes? Played the most minutes. In the Six Nations. Um, Interestingly, it's really hard to think about what players play started all games. I think McAnally started started every game. Um, but he comes off. Oh yeah. I'm gonna go. T- well, that's one of my answers. So McAnally is one of your answers. McAnally is also one of was going to be one of my answers. I know it sounds bad, but so it you was. both you're both going to go with McAnally as one, and then what's your other one? Gilchrist. I was thinking now, but there's no way he's chunked through that much work. <laughs> um, I mean, I think Gilchrist is probably right now. I've heard it said out loud. Um, Maitland. So oh, he had an injury in one game, didn't he? Gilchrist is number one. Mm-hmm. 376. McAnally is third on 314. My other one was going to be Dell. Dell is fourth on 313. Oh, shoot. I'll give you. I'll give you a hint. <laughs> okay. This player only played four games. Is it Richie? Four eighties. Laidlaw? 
So we clue there. <laughs> Laidlaw started three games. Uh, Seymour. Wait, you're literally just like, you're, you're, you're doing your hands. It's like, it's somebody <laughs> passing a rugby ball. Finn. Finn. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing a no-look pass. Jeez. Right. Whilst looking at me. Whilst looking at you. I was back that is look. Um, yeah, 315. So he was yeah. actually, he played the second most games, but yeah. didn't play all games. Interesting. Um, but yeah. And then, so, okay. So wh- who do you think had the most meters? For Scotland. Kinghorn. Yeah, I was going to say that. Both Kinghorn, yes. Third overall behind Stockdale. And uh, Hayward. Hayward's like top of everything. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I suppose you play every minute of the tournament. <laughs> You'll uh, be yeah. something right. Fair play. And then defenders beaten across six nations. I think I know this. Are you going to go for it? Joint. Joint, is it? Oh, no, wait. Sorry, that's in <laughs> one game. So it's joint because Sam Johnson and um, Watson both beat. I think they in one game they've both beaten 10. Um, yes. But uh, that's why I was getting my stats mixed up. So defense. Graham only two. played three matches, didn't he? No, two. Defenders beaten. Um, I'm going to say Bradbury. You are wrong, Sam. <laughs> That's going wrong. I'm you know, still going to say Sam Johnson. Sam Johnson is correct. Is so it? Second equal with Huger on 18. Who had the most defenders beaten? Stockdale on 23. Really? I, didn't, I thought he had quite a quiet tournament. So did I. But he's like literally top of like yeah. ev- now as well. everything. Um, I'll give you one last one. Cool. Top missed tackles. Oh, God. I want of, your top, of Scotland. Your top two for Scotland. Top two missed tackles for Scotland. And we've got the top two in the Six Nations. Have we? And they didn't really they didn't even both play all games. <laughs> oh. Pete um, Horn? I was gonna say Pete Horn as well. No. Seems quite shallow. Yeah, I know, I felt bad. <laughs> um uh, one forward, one back. Greg? No. One back row. Richie. Nope. Strauss. Strauss was top with Most fif- mis- 15 missed tackles 15 and misses. 64 tackles made. So we're looking for a back. A back. Finn? Finn. <laughs> I was going to say him, to be fair. So this is a little bit of a concerning stat, although when Ellis Genge absolutely oh, yeah. boshed him. So, 14 missed tackles and 26 made tackles. Really? Doesn't <laughs> Pretty seem... bad stats, man. There's some bad stats. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's not good at all. So, yeah. There you go. But, yeah. it's. Um, I guess it kind of shows the fact that we've only got one player. Out of, I think it's like the top 20 players have played the most minutes. just shows how much turnover there has yeah, been for sure. for in sure. that team. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Right, should we do the Pro 14? Should we quickly? do the Pro 14? Let's get it. We've got four minutes to get it under an hour. Oh, yeah, we don't want to go over an hour. Okay, no. so very quickly, Edinburgh versus um, Leinster on Friday night at Not Sold Out, BT Murrayfield. 
great team that's been named though. Matt Scott back in the centre for Edinburgh, John Barkley at six, and how good is that back row? Barkley at six, Watson at seven, and Big Bill at eight. I mean, obviously they're like must-win games in the, in the run-up, but yeah, they have. To. I do feel quite bad for the, the Edinburgh guys who've just been playing the Six Nations. It's like, sorry, lads, get straight back. Yeah, in. most of them got Darcy's playing. Yeah, Darcy. Um, I feel like it's the, it, it feels like Nell is the one that's got like the raw deal. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because like yeah. you know, like Graham's on the wing, like whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you can play all your games. Like they've given McAnally a rest. Also, Graham's like 21. Like he yeah, bounced exactly. back from international rugby. So yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm a dad. And kids. even though Toulouse and Watson are in, like they've only really played like one or two games. So yeah, that's really true. Nell, Nell's been in the coal face for like the whole <laughs> tournament. <laughs> you, I'm quite surprised that Barkley's actually gone straight into the starting lineup. He's, not, he's not played for 16 months. I think he might be in quite good nick. I, I mean, he will Achilles, be. An Achilles injury. He'll probably yeah, but probably the first time he's been able to do lots of weights consistently for a long time. Yeah, but he hasn't played intense rugby for yeah, I, 16 I, months. I made that. I made that. And he was tweeting. <laughs> Sonia McLaughlin tweeted him earlier, being like, "Hope the lungs hold out." And he was just like, "They are empty Capri Sun <laughs> cartons." <laughs> <laughs> right at the end of it, was, oh, that's very that good. Funny, yeah. It'd be interesting. I think Barkley and Watson versus Reese Ruddock and Dan Levy mm. is actually quite a good test for both of them. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting how they do. And Lenser haven't named a full strand side. No, like it's your classic, so like good, Ross Byrne at ten, Joel Tamani at twelve, at like, twelve. Yeah, n- like you got Barry Daly on the wing. And Barry, I got no idea who that guy is. <laughs> they still got like Sean Cronin and like Fergus McFadden, yeah. Luke McGrath. Like, is it at home? Yeah, sorry, it's at Murrayfield, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Feels to me that Edinburgh need and want this win much more than Leinster do. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. Leinster, are what like. 30 points ahead of the top of their conference. So what do we reckon then? Do you think Edinburgh can do it? Yeah. Why not? They I need to. They, I think they need to. And I think Edinburgh... If they can't win with that team, then you know, they're not going to win any more games. Can you imagine like Cockers is in their head being like, you've had amazing success in the, in the Champions Cup this year. It means nothing if we're not there next year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine the next two weeks, Edinburgh lose to Leinster and then get beaten by Munster. Season over, no yeah. Champions Cup. Rubbish. Bad no season. No playoffs. Yeah. Whereas you win this game and you stay in the mix, hmm. you beat Munster, and it's just like King Caucus is here. Right, two minutes to go. Glasgow are playing the Cheetahs. The Cheetahs. They haven't announced their Scotston. team yet. At, at seven forty-five. At Scotston, that's got to be a Glasgow win. They've been riding high. They've done really, really well during the international period. Yeah. You can only imagine that that Brandon take- Thompson taking them to a bonus point win. Warrior of the month, Brandon Thompson. Warrior of the month. Just cannot stop winning. Yeah. That guy wins He's anything he undefeated. wants. They do sort of need to keep up the pressure on Munster as well. Yeah. 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 So Cheetahs at Scotland. Yeah, a bit of momentum there going into a lot of excuses to lose that game for Glasgow. Yeah, a bit of momentum going to Saracens as well. So I'm I'm back in a bonus point win for that boy. How bad is Stuart Hogg's lid? I like it. The peroxide blonde but lid. Is he doing it for like charity? I think he's doing it to show off the fact that he's got hair now. Nah, he's, do- he's doing it because he looks baller. All right. If I could get away with that lid, I would do it all the time. Exactly. I'd like to see you pro- li- bring back the peroxide. Yeah, and yeah. straighten it like back in the day. Man, I looked the fucking tits. <laughs> you did have tits, to be fair. <laughs> I have tits currently. <laughs> well, on shall we end note, right on that note? <laughs> and that's under 60 as well. We'll be back next week to preview the quarterfinal with the Sweet Prince, Christine. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes and ACAST. Send us some emails, the thistle rugby at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. Bye. See ya. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.